live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right. <clears throat> Voice has got to work when you start the show. Got to take that thing on a test drive a little bit before you start the show. I got to remember that. That should be something I know because of radio <laughs> right now. But now it works. Hey, uh, got to warm We got to start up. doing some exercises mm, ahead of the show. Man. All right. <laughs> the cold that will never end is still hanging on with me. But nonetheless, I am still ready. And at your service here on this Tuesday morning, the final day of January 2023. Glad to have you with us, uh, and did you hear that? Abundant sunshine today. We'll take that. Take that Ooh. in the capital city. Uh, high in the uh, high in the twenties, which is an improvement from where we've been the last couple of days. So that's nice. Even though I think the wind's going to be up a little bit today from where it was yesterday, but uh, the forecast beyond today continuing to look better and better. Uh, uh, I see three days of fifty plus in a row starting on Saturday. Uh, so that's looking pretty good. And uh, I also see the 8 to 14 day outlook has now got us in the above normal category for February 7th to 13th. So I don't know, guys. I don't know, guys. We get through, uh, uh, today, the next couple of days, we get into those 50s this weekend. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what we got left for winter. We may, we may have something. We may have another cold snap, but. Once you get halfway through February, which this is going to take us through, that chance starts to get a little bit lower and a little bit lower all the way down there. And uh, that is music to my ears, and hopefully it is to yours, too. On this Tuesday morning on the show, busy with guests today, Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. always like talking Nebraska news and politics with him. He's always got great information for us to kind of understand what is happening uh, with the legislature, with the state government, and beyond. Uh, also going to have Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, joining us live in studio at 810. Uh, and then we'll talk to John Baylor at 835 as well. So packed with guests today. We're going to count down the five things you're talking about today with your morning drive. That's always 735. Hopefully right smack dab in the middle of your drive. That's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Sound off coming up in a bit as well. So we are loaded for bear on a Tuesday morning as we finish off this month of January and slide on in to February. I have made a, uh, I think I've made a, an executive decision on my month rankings. I think I, I used to always be of the opinion that February was the mer- worst month of the year. I, I could be convinced, and maybe it was just this year, but that January is worse. I, it, and, and maybe some of you like it. Maybe you got a birthday. Maybe you got something in those, those months that you do like. But most people, I think, when they kind of prioritize their favorite and least favorite months, January and February are somewhere in the bottom. It's always been February for me, but uh, maybe this is just me trying to have a positive outlook about what's next. But I think January might be. This This is a month that I feel like has been going on for an entire year. Uh, this time well, around. it's you have three extra days in January than you do in February on a typical of year. Of course. Um, yeah. So you've got that working against you. I think also uh, the, the fact that 
for January at least, I think it would be one spot better than February in that you're coming out of the Christmas and the holiday high. Yeah, and that might that that, that got might a week of that still at the beginning. Right. Sort so of. so that might carry you a little bit. And then February starts to really become the oh, this is still dragging on yeah, type that, of thing. But the thing is that's how I feel now already. So and you got a better so th- chance. Thank you for uh, letting Mark and I know what the next four weeks are going to look like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got you got a better chance though in February for things to you know think. Well, and we see it on the forecast here. I think it's because weather-wise, get a little nicer. We, January in total is when we have the shortest days over a, a, a four-week yep. period. Yep. And you know, as we move on through February, the days daylight, I should say, gets longer and longer. And I think uh, I think sunshine just makes a difference. I think that factors in. Yep, I think that's a good point. Now, I think January might have the advantage, at least, in everybody uh, sort of likes or dislikes their months on different factors. January is a little better sports-wise than February, which I consider just because it provides my evening and weekend entertainment in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. You still have football going on throughout the month. I mean, you get all of the football get, except for the Super Bowl. Yeah, you get you get the NFL playoffs, you get all of the uh the the end of the college football season, the college national championship. So you get some of that. So uh, it's just the Super Bowl now in February. And so the and and you know, in and and Nebraska's basketball season, Nebraska men's basketball season, there often is still some hope in January. And in February, as is kind of the case this year, it's going to be fading quickly. So that impacts it as well. So that's probably what I leaned on when I took that position. But no, I am trying to frame this positively right now. You got Valentine's Day in February, of course, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've you've got Valentine's. You obviously, <clears throat> obviously, February is a big month. Can be a big month for snow and winter weather. But on average, the temperatures. Are, are a little better, you're more likely to see those weirdly nice days mm-hmm. during February than you are in January. Um, you get baseball and softball starting. You, you get, get yep. munch madness, you get, the yes, selection Friday. Yes, 100%. That's a good point in terms of things to uh, to look forward to. There's a lot to. going on in a short month. So I'm look, here I am. I am, I am trying to be positive <laughs> about the month I have traditionally said is my uh is my least favorite of the year. And then once you get through that, you get to uh you get to maybe 3, maybe 4 top 6 months after that in the range. I would say that's close. March, April, May, June. Those are uh to me those are all top probably try top half, top 7 maybe at worst months, so fighting through it. So 28 days plus today. We got to go through and and rank our months again. Yeah, I need to do an update. I've done that. I've done that several times. I think it's on the but... Monday show sheet from way, way back. Yeah, we it's did. Still it. on, it's still on the bottom of that sheet. <laughs> we maybe on uh maybe our first uh when we get back here on on uh Monday, uh when we get a few days into February, we can reevaluate how we feel okay. about it and we can we can do that on on Monday the 5th and and do our our new official. We can do our uh, our collaborative and our individual month rankings and then work the listeners in on on that too. But Yes, anyway, uh, we are saying goodbye to the month of January. All right. Uh, see ya. And here we go. All right, uh, Mark, let's uh, let's go through some of the news that we've got this morning, if there is a whole lot. Well, if you think it's cold here, it's seven above. 
Uh, about five and a half, six hours west of us, just west of Scott's Bluff at Morrill, it is now 27 degrees below zero Man. actual temperature. This has really been a year where... Yes. Um, panhandle and the north, panhandle northern, uh, north, 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 northwest, the part of the state yeah. has gotten just a complete, a complete different weather situation uh, than yeah. than we have. You know what I heard yesterday? Uh, reading something is that New York City uh, has gotten no snow, no measurable winter. snow. So yeah, far this winter season, no nothing beyond a trace, which is a tenth of an inch. I I think officially. And they have never gone this long in their in in New York City history without having any snow. And now they're wondering if they could actually go through a complete winter with no snow. Now, for for comparison, Lincoln is uh, Lincoln is the latest day is December thirty first. They went in two thousand six, I believe it was. We went until December thirty first without any uh, measurable snow, and then we got slammed. All I know is I remember it was the same day that Nebraska played Auburn in, I believe, the Cotton Bowl. Uh, there, that was a big snowstorm that day. But that's how how long New York City. Now, back here, though, I, I looked up the numbers yesterday, Mark. I was wondering what total snowfall in Lincoln has been this year. because Under six every inches, time, I It's a three-point, Three. can't remember the decimal. Three point exactly. Three-point Three something. Three point something. Now you remember last year we had uh, like the least snowiest winter ever at five, a little over five inches. So we're we're in play. We're in play at least to still be last year, which was as least snowy as most of us have ever lived through. Yeah, uh, it's, in, in it's possible. Nebraska. I just I just got a hunch that we're still going to get oh absolutely get a, a storm or two before this thing is over. So. I I am I am totally with you, but. How about that potential, at least not not necessarily for sure, but the potential is uh, there for it to be the t- two of the least snowiest winters in a row that uh, that ha- could have happened consecutively. Weather-wise, across the country, though, uh, they're getting some uh, really some nasty weather to the south of us: Texas, Arkansas, big ice storm. And a matter of fact, uh, you may recall the problems they had with a. Uh, power grid a couple of years ago with ice in that part of the country. Uh, they said that parts, I, I believe it was of uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and back into Arkansas could see three quarters of an inch of ice. Wow. That's a lot of ice. Yeah. And if that does, that brings trees and power lines and everything down. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of watch that. And that's going to move up into New York uh, and the uh, Boston area a little later this week, so that's where things could get really interesting snow wise there in New England. Uh, I've got the so last year was five point one inches, and we actually came in. We came into the first of February with with a hair more snow last year than this time. We had gotten three point seven. Uh, we're at we're at just I think just under that this year. Uh, we came in with three point seven, but then we got one one hundredth of an inch of snow in February last year. That was it. We went all of February yep. with with nothing, and then we actually got one point three in March. That put us at five point one for the entire total. Uh, but you don't have to go very far north to see a lot of it. Not at all. Now and then, uh, just for comparison, twenty twenty one we got forty nine point four. Twenty nine, uh, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. I don't even remember this. Twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. We got fifty five point five because we had got absolutely crushed in February uh, that year. So. Anyway, interesting stuff there. I always find that find that kind of fascinating. But 
nonetheless. Uh, all right. Uh, what else we got going on this morning? Mark? Well, the governor had his uh, first call-in radio show Ooh. yesterday. Uh, taxes came up. Uh, prison came up. So we'll have some reports on that. Uh, but he's continuing that tradition. And, and the Nebraska Broadcasters Association has been putting this on. It is the longest-running continuous uh, program of its type in the country where the governor is on once a month on radio in the state. It's always it's always interesting whether you're the head football coach or you're the governor or whether you're anyone and you've agreed to uh, just take calls and questions from the public and you don't quite know what's going to happen so, uh, at any of those points. So. Otherwise, uh, news-wise, a couple of stories are a little disturbing. Um, their, community, uh, their central community schools uh, they're locked down. They're shut down for a second day because of a threat that they received on Friday, uh, and very little information coming out. They're out in Hebron, uh, yeah, it's out of our that. area, but uh, you know it's that. And then two Omaha police officers shot last night, and a uh, suspect was killed in a, a oh, no. uh, firefight uh, at a storage facility on Central Avenue. So uh, okay. those are the the big ones in the uh, region uh, today. Otherwise. Um, Pretty quiet in Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, house fires over the weekend, one in the county, $700,000 loss there. As we mentioned yesterday, the two here in Lincoln, Sunday, one Sunday night, one yesterday morning. You know, it's the time of year. Yeah. It's cold weather when those, that stuff happens. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And uh, no DTL tonight, by the way. Uh, we've got uh, basketball. Basketball. Pre game at five. What do we got tonight? Illinois. See, this is where I am at. I have to look at the board to see who we even <laughs> played. And I, it's I know, so sad. I know. Oh, God. And it's at Illinois. God, they looked, they looked good even when Nebraska was at full strength. Yeah, uh, that, that was the, uh, that was the last time Nebraska was at full strength for at least a yeah, portion of the we first We went to half. that game, right? We were at that Jeez. game. <sighs> but then that was when, uh, you had Juwan Gary get hurt in the first yeah. half or his shoulder. And, Illinois had that guy who uh, felt like he couldn't miss, and I don't think he missed. <laughs> man, and then of course Northwestern had a guy like that when Nebraska played them in Lincoln. So, yeah, the schedule continues to be. That's all right. Nebraska's got Nebraska. a guy who can't miss. That's true, Mister Sam, Mr. Sam Hoiberg. Wonder if Fred's like Fred's like. You know, wonder if I uh, should have been playing that kid a little bit more. He seems <laughs> like a good kid. He's like, man. Is he- his mom never complained he's, about it, so. I, I wonder if I was a little too hard on that kid. I should have been giving him a little bit more time. Now that I can see that, now that he actually gets a little game action that isn't 30 seconds in garbage time, he's uh, looking well, pretty that, decent. It, it was, and that was one of the things of, of watching that game the other day, is we had only seen him in like the, the garbage time situations. Here's 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, you kind of got to look. Well, he's just been sitting down for the last yeah. hour and a half. Last time I really saw him play basketball extensively was with Pius at the end yeah. of uh, and he and his brother senior season there. I watched yep. quite a bit of him during that year. But he got the legs warmed up, moving around, oh, moves well off the cool. ball. That's good to see. That adds a little something kind of fun and interesting to the end of the season, at least. So. Yeah. So who knows? It feels like maybe we'll get a we'll get some nights still. Even last even last year, Caleb. Even last year, remember Nebraska goes on the road and beats two ranked teams oh, yeah. to end the season when, yeah, just when like things w- didn't look good. So weird sports joy at the end. So let's let's maybe let's maybe do something like that <laughs> while we while we continue also to count down to uh, Husker baseball as well.
Uh, yeah, so those are the uh, those are the things that we've got going on this morning. Of course, uh, Super Bowl now set. We talked did about you, that a lot yesterday. Did you hear as about well. Brock Purdy uh, out for uh, UCL six, ligament? Six months. So six months minimum. Might have to have Tommy John surgery. Yeah, just all getting hit while he threw that ball. That is man, what a what a bad. That Reggie Bush feels like a jerk. Uh, why? He he was tweeting out, I don't care. It, uh, if you're hurt, you're the quarterback and you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Start throwing left-handed if you have to. Well, he could. I mean, <laughs> well, could have thrown. I mean, he did throw one pass during the game. It was a really short one, but it must not have felt too good. Oh, yeah, and they, they realized immediately, oh, he's got nothing. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do that. I mean, I did that same thing when I was throwing javelin where it was like, oh, let's see if there's anything left. And I went, wow, there is there is zero force coming out of this arm anymore. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So that is uh, that is what we've got going on this morning. We've got a check of news coming up after uh, sports. Caleb will have the very latest. Uh, heard from uh, some more of the Nebraska assistants yesterday. Two coaches getting to talk to the media. I'll tell you what, again, we're still in the honeymoon period, but Nebraska has a, a crew of coaches that are fun to listen to. I will say that. Ed Foley, if, if he can do anything on the field with the special teams, just the way he talks with his media session, he's quickly moving up the all-time favorite Nebraska assistant coach. Yeah, he, he was great. And even, even just across the board when the when the coordinator spoke, mm-hmm. Satterfeld, I liked, liked to listen to him. Of Rule is really entertaining to listen to. So it's not... Uh, it's not the coaches who are just hating to be up there and talking and giving you coach speak. They've always been really entertaining. Now, we'll see how we feel about that after after that. Hey, first they're loss. winning what's in front of them. Right now they are, yeah. All right, it is uh, 625 in the capital city. It was an LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Severe weather means interruptions. Check closings and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, welcome back. But first, just a reminder, we have, uh, Caleb and I have made a decision that Friday on Request Line Friday, we will go general again this week because we got a theme that we want to save for the week after. So this week is open season, whatever you want to do. And then just looking ahead, we get to Friday, February 10th. That will be our special Valentine's Day all year yeah, edition baby. 
So that'll be uh, that'll be February tenth. Then we're off for the seventeenth. Uh, show's on. We're off. The uh, we're off for a request line Friday. Uh, we're on too. Uh, but that's just going to be the day that we have set aside now, just over two weeks away for the Munch Madness Selection Show. It is almost here. The bracket will be out uh, by three weeks from right now, and we are going to be right in the thick of Munch Madness season mm-hmm. before you know it. And questions abound this year for Munch Madness. Can Norms on 48th do it again? The Cinderella story from last year come out of nowhere. Was that a one-and-done deal? Uh, has their momentum been stopped? Is Muchachos going to come back? They Last year, maybe they backed out of the way a little bit for another champion. Did they say, no, we're back, we're back in, uh, there to win this year? Or do we have a new kid on the block? Well, I mean, gosh, you, you've got last year's champion with Norms. Was was it a fluke? Do, are, are they going to be real quick outs this year? Yeah. Um, muchachos, you've seen all of their expansion going up to Omaha. They're getting dangerously close to becoming regional. That's true. How, how many more opportunities That's will true. they have? Now, we still allow, our, the definition that we've used mm-hmm. does allow, if you originated in Lincoln, it does allow you to have other locations, but not so many that it becomes a regional chain. Right. So Laszlo's, for instance, location in Omaha, not a regional chain. Correct. Daily owns, as we've determined, uh, to Ben's chagrin, listener Ben, <laughs> uh, locations all over the state into some other states. Yep. Like 20 different locations, <laughs> other places. That does qualify regional. Runza, yeah. regional chain. Okay. Laszlo's not muchachos. They've got a way to go. I'm not worried about that yet. Just with a, with another. I'm, one I'm just I'm just saying you're starting to look at finite opportunities for a favor. I would say I would say it's generally if you've got you know in the neighborhood of two to three locations out of outside of Lincoln after starting in Lincoln, you're still in the safe zone. Yeah. I don't know what a what the best example of that Laszlo's is the one that comes to mind right, right. away with that one, but I think they're still very much safe to be eligible. And if we need to tweak this year. If we need to tweak our definitions, there's always a little bit of a back and forth in terms of how far do we extend the border mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, of the, quote, Lincoln area for location and origination. Okay. So we've done, we've done, what have we done? We've done in the county. Yeah, we've, we've done just straight the we've county. Done we've, the count, d- we've done like a radius from the center of Lincoln. Yeah, it was like a, like 25 like, or 30 there's miles always from people, broadcast like, There's always people like, like is Ashland in? Like that's always, <laughs> that's always one. And then what about uh, is, is Beatrice in? I'm, Beatrice feels far to be in. Not mm-hmm. that I want to count them out. It's a beautiful, nice people <laughs> down at my vacation home, places that I eat. But Great place to retire. So those are things. That, I mean, that's. I think that's the biggest question that we've got to answer rule-wise for right. this. But, but the, the only thing, other thing I'll say is generally, beyond that, beyond that technicality, it's going to be the same as it's been the last two years. 64 teams, Local restaurants, local restaurant being defined as um, originated in Lincoln and not a regional chain, Correct. not a national chain. Um, you know, more of the mom and pop esque place, and uh, no, no restriction on what kind of uh, kind of food, as long as you have 
as long as uh, you you serve food as your predominant you know mm-hmm. source of source of sales, then you are eligible. Which which yeah that that would uh, that would make the case. So anyway, that is our uh, that is our plan for Munch Madness twenty twenty three. Uh, what thirteen, fourteen, thirteen? I don't remember what number it is. What was last year? Uh, last year was thirteen. So this so is fourteen. So this is the fourteenth uh, edition, edition. The uh, the third version of since the third expansion. version since expanding the field to sixty four. All right, let's uh, let's get into our sound off. More news out of Memphis uh, in light of the uh, the video uh, depicting uh, officers uh, arresting and and then of course being uh, being. Uh, rather rough with the man that they had they had pulled over and the stories that have come along from that uh, the initial officers that were involved in this are already have been uh, dismissed uh, are facing in some cases criminal charges but this continues to extend beyond those what four officers that were the main ones who were involved with this and just again yesterday we heard about another officer uh, who is dismissed from the force. And even now, Caleb, they're also talking about some paramedics, uh, some people in their fire department that have also lost their jobs oh. based on the, I guess what they would say is uh, lax response to the medical needs of the victim in this case. The Memphis Police Department announced Officer Preston Hemphill and another unnamed officer were relieved of their duties when the investigation into Nichols' death started weeks ago. Hemphill was one of three officers on scene when Nichols was initially pulled over. He was shown pulling Nichols out of his car and can be heard saying, I hope they stomp his expletive in that horrifying body cam footage. Nichols' family calling the news extremely disappointing, adding why is his identity and the role he played in Tyree's death just now coming to light certainly begs the question why the white officer involved in this brutal attack was shielded and protected from the public eye and to date from sufficient discipline and accountability all right so long obviously a long way to go in adjudicating that entire thing and who is going to be dismissed who simply uh who is going to be facing criminal charges how many beyond uh the initial officers that were involved uh, by if you watch the video, by the time the thing ended, there were, I mean, golly, it looked like there were 20, 25 officers there. There were paramedics there. It was a huge crowd of people and sorting through and figuring out the, those who the, they at least believe had some sort of malfeasance uh, is is a pretty extensive task just because there were so many people there and only so much video, so much that you could glean from what was happening there. Uh, this is a scary story coming out of coming out of the state of Nebraska. Uh, a baby shows up on a doorstep of a farmhouse, and nobody knows about it for a long time. And the weather's terrible yeah. right now, and you can it's imagine cold. what happened in this situation. Early Monday morning, a cell phone alert startled Chuck Sorahan in rural Alden, Nebraska. It asked everyone to check their property for a seven-month-old boy in a car seat. Sorahan did and found the boy in the bitter cold on his front porch. He'd been left there, police say, by two teenaged boys who'd stolen a running car, not realizing there were kids inside. When they were caught, they told police they'd left the baby at a random farmhouse. Sorahan says the child was very cold and looked lifeless, but he brought him inside and warmed him by the fireplace until Sorahan said he heard the best cry ever. 
The teens now facing charges of kidnapping and child abuse. Jack Callahan, Fox News. Oh, my goodness. That's way out just north of Sydney. Yeah, north of Sydney, near Bridgeport is yep. probably maybe the biggest. Yeah, Bridgeport uh, would be closer there. The yeah. most significant town that that would be nearby. Um, and so you can, I don't know what the, the temperature was. Uh, early Monday morning, I can't, I mean, it, it had to be, I mean, we it know what it was below here. zero. I would think it was what five, six point. degrees when we started the show here on uh, Monday. Yeah, maybe it was, it was bad. So, um, yeah, is this, I, I just pulled it up on my map and I reading this right. It says it's, is this right? It says 17 below there right now. Yeah. Is that possibly right? Yeah. So right now it's 17 below there now. And so that's probably in the general range of temperatures that you would have been talking about. And so you can imagine, oh my goodness. And so they just left this baby outside and it had to be, you know, just minutes away from that being completely tragic. So uh, kudos to the uh, person at that house who was aware, checked that out and was able to basically save the life of, of that baby who was only involved because it was in this car that, that got stolen. Um, all right, other uh, other news. This is kind of a, a sad story here. Lisa Marie Presley passed away a, a couple of weeks ago, and her mom, Priscilla Presley, um, who I, my biggest, I wasn't alive. I was only alive at the same time as Elvis Presley for like 10 days. Uh, he died like right, like a week and a half after I was born. Uh, but what I, of course, remember Priscilla Presley from is from the Naked Gun movies. Uh, but on a more serious note, uh, evidently there is now a dispute about her daughter's will and Priscilla Presley being taken out as the executor on this will. And in fact, she is now challenging her daughter's will in court. The court filing disputes the validity of Lisa Marie Presley's living trust, which includes a 2016 amendment that removes her mother and a former business manager as trustees. Lisa Marie's two oldest children, Riley Keough and Benjamin Keough, would replace them in the event of her death or if she became incapacitated. Priscilla Presley claims the trust is invalid due to several issues, including a failure to notify her of the change, an atypical signature from Lisa Marie Presley, and a lack of a witness or notary. There's been no comment yet from Riley Keough. Benjamin Keough died by suicide in 2020. Lisa Marie Presley, the only child of Elvis Presley, died on January 12th at the age of 54. Laura Cantor, Fox News. So I said that wrong. It was it was not a will. It was a living trust. So it would have been being a trustee uh, who was essentially running that trust and now arguing it wasn't signed. It wasn't properly executed. The notifications weren't giving uh, given and so she should still be the administrator on that so d- discord in that family after a, a tragic loss of of a daughter in that situation uh all right other things uh that we've got going on here this morning uh let's do this one here <laughs> you ever uh you remember you remember going to like for me it was worlds of fun when i was a kid and you you got up to the ride, and if you were a kid, they usually had one of their a little uh, cutout of one of their mascots saying, "You must be at least this tall, right, to ride this ride." And you're always like standing on your tiptoes. You've got that by the Ferris trying wheel. To, trying to clear. Over, they have that over, over at Shields. Shields. Yeah, Shields has that on the uh, on the Ferris wheel too. Well, now it's not only going to be that at uh, one location in Florida, Universal Studios, but they may also have a. Uh, 
This would be fun. May also have to have a scale over oh, there. No. Yeah. Is there a sadder sight than a kid at a theme park who is in tears because he or she is not tall enough to get on a ride? Until today, I would have said no, but now maybe there is because at Universal Studios, not only do you have to be tall enough for certain rides, you also have to be thin enough. A few new rides, including one called Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge, they're using tighter restraints on the rides to make sure that the small kids can't wiggle free. But that means that some visitors now are too big, it seems. Guests whose waistlines are 40 inches or greater may not be accommodated on the ride. Ooh, that's embarrassing. That's it. There's a, is there like a walk of shame that you've got to do then after they're like, uh, yeah. Sorry, man. man. 40, 40 inches. I mean, that's and obviously that that's big, but that's not like crazy big, right? right. Like, like you know, it's not like forty eight. Uh, so, yeah. Keep that in mind if you have a big trip planned. You want to ride the Mario Kart ride at Universal Studios? Oh, jeez. It may not be may not be let in there. A uh, couple of Super Bowl things here. A couple of Super Bowl things here. Uh, first of all, if you're thinking about making the trip to Arizona uh, next year, big cheese fan, for instance, maybe like, hey, what a great time to go down to Arizona, get some warm weather, and just uh, we'll catch the uh, the football game. It will just grab a ticket on a third party site, right, StubHub or something. Uh, I'm sure the ticket prices can't be that bad. Yeah. Think again. It's an opportunity of a lifetime to go to Super Bowl 57. But for many, the price tag just isn't an option. The cheapest ticket right now, according to SeatGeek, is $6,400. As for the most expensive, you'll wish you hit the lottery. Those are going for almost $30,000. For Cardinal season ticket holders who normally own these seats in the stands, officials say they'll get offered a small percentage of tickets for an unknown price. Same with the two participating teams, season and ticket holders. SeatGeek says the average price right now for people to buy is $8,000. Jeez. Okay, there's not a there is not a sporting event I can think of. So, the ultimate sporting event for me, uh I guess uh Nebraska football in a national championship game, Nebraska basketball in a in a final four. Uh 6,000 is not worth it. I'll watch on I'll watch on TV. I'll listen on KLIN uh for six thousand dollars. That's incredible. For six thousand, do you do you know the uh the setup that I could just have at home? Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, like as as now, most people who go to Super Bowls, I assume, that that'd be an interesting uh sort of survey of people who are actually attending the Super Bowl. How many of the people who attend are actually true partisans? In terms of they've got a team that they're cheering for, and how many are just people who? Because they mentioned like Arizona season ticket fans, uh, season ticket holders can can get tickets as well. Now I would like to go. I I don't know where I would rank the Super Bowl on my bucket list of sporting events that I haven't gone to that I would like to. I don't like. I'm trying to think. It'd probably be, you know, the the top ones are obviously probably going to be your team in a major championship. That's that's probably the the very top on this thing. But just in terms of like general sporting events, I still probably would have just because of the pageantry of it all. You know, just because you get a concert right at halftime, you get every everything that goes along with it. 
I probably would have Super Bowl still at the top of my list outside of some kind of a Nebraska championship event. Now, maybe you guys have, maybe you guys are more, I don't know, like it's not like going to a World Series game. You know, I don't know. I, I, I considered when the Royals were in the World Series trying to make it to a, a World Series game. It was a lot less expensive than that. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I, I considered trying that, uh, you know, NBA Finals game. Nah, nah, Wimbledon, the Masters, something in the Olympics, World Cup, World Cup maybe, I don't know. Super Bowl's still probably up there, but it is nowhere, that is, that is ridiculous uh, for that kind of a price. Now, speaking of prices, uh, one where you're definitely not going to need to spend $6,000, and in some cases you're actually going to be spending less this year than you were last year comes to those uh, those typical food prices for the snacks you're more likely to have for the Super Bowl. So if you're starting to think about your menu, you've got some options. The price of food jumping 10.4% compared with a year ago, according to the latest stats from the government. But some items are trending downward. So slide the chicken wings back on the menu for your big soiree. Prices dropping 22% since last year. Yes. Go ahead, mix up that fresh guacamole. Avocado prices dropping due to a strong crop. Light up the grill. The cost of sirloin steak sliced by about a dollar per pound over the past year, but it will cost you a lot more to wash it all down. The price of beer up 11%. Soda prices rising 25%. CJ Papa Fox News. All right. So the beverages are going to get you this year. Or, or if you like to serve just loads of eggs for the Super Bowl, that would also be one, right? Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to my Super Bowl party. Uh, I've done eggs six different ways for the buffet here. Uh, I really wanted to to show how much I appreciate you, so I got the most expensive uh, cuisine possible. So we got, you know, you got we scrambled. We got a buffet basically. We got scrambled. We got omelets. We got sunny side up. You go through the entire year, and it's just a it's a pile of eggs for everybody on that thing. Uh, and then on this, I was going to play this yesterday. I didn't get to it, but it's kind of funny. Did you see pictures of the Empire State Building on Sunday night? Oh yeah, because it got lit they, up. They green lit up for Philadelphia. Yeah, they lit up first green for Philadelphia, and a little later in Kansas City when they lit it up in red and I guess gold or or white for Kansas City. But keep in mind, the New York Giants are a division rival and not very friendly with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh-huh. And so the Eagles one was the one that brought a lot of attention, and frankly. Made a lot of uh, New Yorkers pretty mad. The Empire State Building showing love for the city of brotherly love after the Philadelphia Eagles won the NFC Championship and clinched a spot in the Super Bowl. The landmark lit up green and white on Sunday night, but some New York football fans didn't like the look. Backlash immediately began on social media with questioning comments like, What is this and why? On Twitter, (laughs) one user responded to the building's official account with a tweet saying, You are dead to me. The lights went from green to red later in the night when the Kansas City Chiefs won the AFC Championship. That garnered a comment that simply said, Stop. Richard (laughs) Jordan, Fox News. Stop. Now, a couple things. I know that they've lit the Capitol up, the Nebraska State Capitol up, for some things for... I believe for like uh, Autism Awareness Month, they've they've lit it up. Maybe they've done it for some other things as well. That could be a regular thing, you know, have like they do with the Empire State Building. You know, you light it up, holiday colors, Christmas, uh, uh, what you know, red, white, and blue for the 4th of July, mm-hmm. those. 
those sorts of things. But if they do that, yes, I think we can all agree as a state we are not lighting it up when, you know, when when Iowa wins the Music City Bowl or something, right? We're not <laughs> we're not lighting it up in yellow and black. Okay, let's just let's be aware of that if we decide to go with more lighting options. Or or my my suggestion, Caleb, that with the purple lights on the the street lights, that we actually instead of get rid of those, we actually get color changing lights for all the street lights, and we celebrate celebrate holidays, celebrate different occasions with colored street lights. But I would prefer that we never do that for any of nebraska's conference rivals or anything yeah. like that so um, don't write it up yellow we're out of time 657 that's it for your sound off you listen to lnk today with jack and friends on klin you're listening to lnk today with jack and friends on 1499.3 klin all right nine degrees in the capital city feels like three below right now but fear not sun is coming out today we're going to be Back up into the 20s today, 30s tomorrow by the weekend, looking at 40s and 50s. Coming up during the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to talk news uh, from Nebraska and politics with Joe Jordan from News Channel Nebraska. I always like to have him update us on the things going on around the state. Uh, We'll also count them down, the five things you are going to be talking about today with your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. That's coming up at 7.35 later in the show. Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and John Baylor. All right, we'll take a break right now for news. It is 7 o'clock on Lincoln's News and Talk 1400, 99.3 KLIN Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings, welcome in. 708, 9 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us. January 31st, 2023. And it's time to say hello to Joe Jordan. Doing reporting for News Channel Nebraska, Nebraska News and Politics. Good morning, Joe. How are we doing today? I'm good, Jack. How are you? Good. I am uh, I'm good. Good to uh good to talk to you. Uh all right, let's get into uh some of the news happening this week. Uh let's start. There was a big hearing. Uh, at the end of last week, uh, about constitutional carry, and this is a uh, a bill that State Senator Tom Brewer has brought uh, in consecutive years, multiple years, just fallen short, uh, in particular last year, in getting the votes needed on the floor of the legislature, and so this went back to back to committee this time. Now, one of the uh, one of the interesting things about this is. The bill looks a bit different in terms of how it, it would impact, uh, particularly where uh, uh, Lincoln and Omaha, um, and whether or not they would be included in it. Uh, can you can you kind of uh, explain like the the because the, the, there used to be a carve out at least at some point in some of these bills for Lincoln and Omaha, and that seems to have went away. What's the what's sorry the sort of the backstory on why they've abandoned that approach with this? Well, according to Senator Brewer, uh, when the legislation was being discussed last year, uh, then Attorney General uh, Doug Peterson issued an opinion, which according to Brewer, I've, I've not seen the opinion, but according to Brewer, the opinion basically said you can't do carve-outs. Uh, 
that, that would that would not be constitutional. It's got to be you know one for all and all for one in effect. Uh, so that according to Brewer, that took the carve outs off the table, and now he's trying to to sell the the legislation uh, in effect to Omaha and Lincoln, uh, especially to Omaha and Lincoln police officers and police chiefs and the officials uh, that you know this 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 can work regardless. Well, we heard from Police Chief Todd Schmatter of, uh, of Omaha. The, uh, the Lincoln Police Chief testified. She testified against the bill. So did Schmatter. Uh, and and Schmatter's testimony, testimony was basically without these carve-outs, without the ability for the city of Omaha, in effect, to have a couple of ordinances that are currently on the books that allow the police to sort of get around the, any constitutional carry issue uh, because they're worried about, you know, they're worried about, quote-unquote, bad guys with guns. Uh, for instance, part of this, there's a specific, I think, item that in one of the Omaha ordinances uh, that, that after 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 so many times being stopped with a weapon, uh, at some point it's not a misdemeanor; it will become a felony. Well, that would change, and it would it would never it doesn't become a felony. And the, and the police here don't like that because they think it makes it easier for someone to have a gun that that it was going to it's going to put a police officer's life in jeopardy. So that that's their biggest concern. Uh, the Lincoln police chief, when she testified, she basically said that it's not to carve out. She just doesn't think that the bill's a good idea for the city of Lincoln in, in general, uh, the constitutional carry idea. Uh, so, so you've got this curious situation where you've got, uh, and, and, you know, all these people, uh, I mean, some people drove, they said they drove for four hours to come to the hearing, basically from parts of Western Nebraska and where have you, that, uh, they, you know, they basically say, you know, I have a constitutional right to have a, to have my weapon, to conceal it. And I don't have to, I shouldn't have to take a safety class or, or, or conceal a weapon class. I shouldn't have to have a pay for a state permit, uh, that's their argument. They said that they believe that's their constitutional right. Uh, and then you've got, so you've got these quote unquote law abiding citizens, uh, and the, and the police in the two biggest cities in the state at odds, because if you're in Lincoln and Omaha, uh, you're, you're worried about who's got a gun, probably less so than you're worried about it out in, in, in some small towns in Western Nebraska. The other thing we heard, and I didn't hear the testimony, but I heard it repeated more than once because uh, it came in later in the day as I was working under deadline to get my story done, that some of the smaller uh, counties in Nebraska, well, physically large counties, but small in terms of population, uh, that those sheriffs, they like the idea of constitutional carry because they, they, some of these some of these counties only have one or two or three deputies, and in a, in, a, in a situation where they might need some help, they could, in effect, deputize somebody who has constitutional carry, and they'd be able to take a weapon around and help them out in, in, in some type of law enforcement situation. So, in the, in, you know, when you get outside of Lincoln and Omaha, uh, law enforcement is no problem with the bill, but Lincoln and Omaha have a big problem with the bill, and if you do the numbers in the legislature, the, the urban senators – uh, it's, it, that's a re, that's going to be a tough vote for anybody in in, in an urban area to vote against their own police chief uh, and their own police officers who because along with the police chief of Omaha the Omaha police union in effect their association they came out against the legislation uh, they're worried about it so you've got the rank and file police in Omaha the police chief in Omaha the police chief and others in Lincoln uh, the law enforcement side complaining that the bill is is dangerous for their officers so. It, it, it's a really mm. that's going to be a really tough vote for for a state senator from Lincoln or Omaha to go against 
the, uh, the the police authorities in their in, in their cities. So you're saying it's unlikely that the Lancaster or Douglas County sheriffs are going to deputize me to help them out in Lincoln or Omaha? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's unlikely. Dang it! All right, I know. I know. <laughs> that's that's too. Bad. You 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 kind of answered my next question when you were talking about that, but I'll, I'll still ask it just in case there's any any more there. I was ju- I was just wondering. We've heard last year. We heard this probably other years as well. This year that the that the main testimony on this and it was against the bill was as you said from from Lincoln and Omaha law enforcement. Are there other, you know, like where's Kearney? Where's Grand Island? Where's, where, do you, do, is there anything from law enforcement on any of those places are kind of in, in the middle of those two scenarios that you just described right there? Well, uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So I, I guess their silence basically says that they're, that they're okay with it. Um, that's, that's kind of how I view that. Uh, so, so I really think it comes down to, you know, the two biggest cities in the state uh against everybody else is kind of where this thing how this thing plays out and then you know the interesting thing about this is um the the argument that brewer is making and and i think a lot of people probably who are in favor of this is is simply is quite simply that the constitution requires this now if that were just just playing that out to its end if this was a, a requirement that as in making these permits a requirement was in violation as they would claim of the second amendment the policy even if it were bad policy for lincoln and omaha that wouldn't matter in theory right <laughs> i mean right. Yeah, i mean w- listen you if you you, you, you they they'd essentially say yeah that that may be the case we may agree with that we may disagree with that but nonetheless that doesn't make it constitutional right According to the argument, at least. Yes, yes. The other thing uh, that uh, was pretty clear is of, of all the surrounding states, only Colorado currently does not have uh, the quote-unquote constitutional carry. And uh, Senator Brewer, uh, one of his remarks, he made the, he made the case that uh, in Missouri, you've got big cities like St. Louis and Kansas City. And, you know, in effect, he was kind of, he didn't, he didn't say they're, they're, they're fine with this, but he basically said, you know, everything's okay. Well, when uh, the Omaha police chief, Todd Schmader, got up to speak, he made it very clear that uh, he said, if you look at the numbers in Kansas City and St. Louis, he goes, we Omaha don't want those numbers. We don't want those numbers. So, he was he was making the case that the big cities like St. Louis and uh, and Kansas City have a problem with constitutional carry being on their books in those in in the state of Missouri. So uh, again, it, it, I mean, this really, I mean, I, I can't think of an issue that more typifies the urban rural divide in the state than this one right now. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, Joe, to see what Lincoln and Omaha senators who are are more conservative leaning what they what they'll do on this given that they would fall on the urban side of it but their you know their their policy position generally would be would be you know pro a more liberal reading of the second amendment right so i, well, I, I wonder I what they'll get out of those right and i haven't spoken to uh senator uh suzanne geist who is obviously running for mayor of lincoln yeah. but she's on the judiciary committee she did ask some questions that indicate she she's not it indicated to me that she's trying to figure out how, where she is on this issue, that, that, that she understands the idea of constitutional carry, but she also understands that, uh, that law enforcement in the city of Lincoln uh, is concerned about it. So, I, you know, she's uh, I don't know where her vote's going to. Like I said, I haven't spoken to her directly. I'm not sure where she is on the issue right now, but I do think it's something that she's uh, 
weighing in her mind right now as to how it's going to play out for her. Well, I can give, I mean, even a little more background on that is last time around, she didn't end up supporting it. And that got her when she announced that she was running for mayor in Lincoln. That got her kind of denounced by the Nebraska Freedom Coalition, uh, who essentially said there should be other Republican candidates. There were a couple of reasons for it, but one of the big ones they cited was her waffling a little bit on on this issue, and and that was one of the reasons that she didn't get kind of that that support from from that group, and so. Yeah, with with now this mayor's race directly in the background, it will be interesting to see if anything changes with that uh, on on this yeah. whole thing with her. That's kind of a a local angle to this whole thing as well. Um, I, I wanted to ask you too. While we're talking about uh, police, um, we I, I know um, obviously with what happened in Memphis, a lot of people are going to local police authorities and saying, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Um, we've had we've had some of that in Lincoln, but I'm curious, has there been conversation about that in, in Omaha with the Omaha police chief or other leaders of law enforcement reacting to it? Well, on Saturday, not long after the video was released, the uh, Omaha police chief, Todd Schmader, uh released a statement in which he made it very clear that that type of uh, Actions by police officers cannot be tolerated. It was criminal, and uh, he made it very clear that uh, he, you know, he and his department are not going to be involved in anything like that. Now, some of that stuff is out of your hand if you're the police chief. Things happen, but he made it very clear that if, to me, the indication was if that did happen in the Omaha Police Department, uh, the officers involved, uh, from what the police chief indicated they would probably be facing the same fate as those five officers in Memphis are now facing. Uh, he, he made, his statement was pretty blunt and pretty clear. That's what, that was a criminal behavior and would and it will not be tolerated. Okay. Um, moving on to, to another issue. Uh, one of the biggest uh, discussions in this legislature is um, some funds that are available to, uh, to the Nebraska legislature and, and kind of figuring out what to do with these things, economic development projects. Also, you know, requests that that uh, a whole bunch of cities have for for different things. I know we were going to talk about one where they were talking about a soccer stadium in Omaha. We're talking about a convention center in Lincoln. There's there's a whole bunch of things. And, you know, you've got Jim Pillen newly in charge here, obviously, as the governor and, and being a Republican and somebody who's in the past spoken uh, about the importance of, of small government. It does put... I mean, it's, it is kind of an odd, odd bedfellow situation, right, with a brand-new re- Republican government who talks about small government, and then one of the biggest things he's going to be considering in this legislative session is how to dole out a bunch of money. Um, but it's interesting. I was I was uh, taking a look at your piece on this, and he's he's not necessarily pushing back on that. He's, he's essentially just characterizing it, hey, this is an investment. It's not governmental spending. I was just curious if you could expand a little bit on that about how he's talked about that. And if that is, um, you know, if, if, if it does look like that's not going to be something where he's reluctant to do those things. Well, well, for starters, it was interesting to me in his speech. If you look at the written text that they, that was sent out to the news media, here's what the governor, uh, is going to say, has said, uh, there's a line in that there's a line in there that he, he ad libbed. Uh, at the beginning of his speech, he talked about how much money Nebraska has. And he said, like many of our neighboring states, we have more money in our coffers than anyone can believe or quite frankly comprehend. And then he ad-libbed the following phrase, 
there's bushel baskets of it. <laughs> bushel I, baskets now, of money so in state I've government. Never, in all my years of covering government, I have never heard a politician say there's bushel baskets of money available and we're going to use it. Uh, so, I mean, part of me, I'm pretty sure if you go back two years, Jim Pillen probably never expected when he got into the race for governor that he was going to become governor at a time when there was all this money laying on the table. Now, the, where the money came from, uh, you know, we all know it came from the federal government, the COVID cash that was poured into across the country. That's where the money came from. And now, you know, governors like Jim Pillen have the opportunity to spend it as they wish, you know. And he, his, his view, his view is he wants to he wants to use it to cut taxes, uh, and and he's so he's going to fund schools uh, like a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and 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 with the with the promise that they're going to cut property taxes, and we all know how that sometimes plays out, but we'll see where that all goes. But after that, I mean, there's he's got he's got fifty million for quote unquote what I call school choice uh, money that would go to private schools. Uh, we'll see if there's any pushback on that. I presume there will be some, uh, but uh, in terms of in terms of other, whether it's the soccer stadium in in Omaha or the convention center in Lincoln, it's not clear where he's at because he made it very clear during a during his uh, sort of post game news conference on the uh, and, he, and he talked about it a bit during his speech that he said no to lots, he has said no, no, no to lots of groups, lots of organizations, lots of people about how we want, how he's going to spend this money. Very clear to me, he wants to spend it on tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts, whether that's the, you know, individual tax rates, the corporate tax rates, the property tax rates, that's where he wants that money to go to, to offset uh, those taxes. And I'm not sure where he is on these individual projects. Mm -hmm. He said, he said no to lots and lots and lots of people. And uh, until we find out how that plays, you know, there's going to be hearings on the on the soccer thing in Omaha, the, the convention center. It will be curious how far that goes because the governor's he made it pretty clear that he's saying no to lots of people. So I don't know where some of these other things wind up going. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's just not clear yet. But but he again, he made it very clear that he knows he's got a lot of money and how he wants to use it. To me, was was he's, he's targeting tax tax cuts and which. Politically, is you know, it, 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 I'm not going to say it's genius, but it's hard to find somebody who said we shouldn't cut taxes mm-hmm. and we got all this money. But at the same time, you're going to have a lot of requests from people who are saying you're not using it. You know, you're, yeah, you're cutting taxes, but should you be using the money someplace else? Maybe you shouldn't be cutting taxes as much. I know that uh, Nebraska Appleseed talked about uh, wondering what where they would like a child tax credit put in place. They don't see that happening under the under the Pillen administration. Uh, rural health care is is believes that their that their health care for rural Nebraskans is being jeopardized by the Pillen budget. Uh, so he's got he's got it's not a it's not a walk in the park for him on this. But when you're promising tax cuts, uh, you get a lot of friends quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. I think just on a lot of these things, they're thinking about winning over the legislature, which you obviously have to do. But where will the governor be on some of these new economic development projects, other projects as well that I think everybody's got one of? And I, like you said, it's we don't know for sure on this, and that could that could be the thing that stops it in some cases. Uh, all right, hey, great discussion today, Joe. Thanks for all the insight on everything, and we will check in again with you next week. All right. Take care, Jack. Be good. There you go, Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. 726. We'll take a break. Sports is coming up next on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. K-
Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. All right, without any further ado, let's count it down, starting with... Number five. Another endorsement forthcoming this morning for the Lincoln mayoral race. It'll happen at the state capitol at 945. Okay. You want me to tell you who it is? Yeah. You're going to tell me. No, I was uh, going to let, let, let you, you okay. know, get the uh, word yeah. out. Uh, Governor uh, Jim Pillen, according to the news advisory, is going to be announcing his endorsement of Suzanne Geist. Uh, as you said, that will happen at the, Cal- uh, the Capitol this morning. Um, and uh, not particularly surprising, I don't don't think necessarily uh, on this one with uh, Suzanne Geist having been in the legislature and this uh, this uh, her and her and Pillen uh, not surprisingly aligned on a lot of things. And so, uh, I believe, but didn't she endorse him for governor too? That sounds right. I mean, yeah. After, after well, that. I know she was one of the group of senators yes. who came out and was very. Uh, Critical of Charles Herbster, so yes, and supportive so, of Julius yes. Lama. Uh, so yeah, Mike. So not surprising, but another. You know, I had the police union announcement. You're getting this one. They're starting. They're they're kind of timing these things now. So you're getting one every few days here uh, with the guys campaign and and wrapping things up. And it's it's interesting, Mark, because it feels like that's the only thing that's really sort of happening right now in this right. yeah. in this mayor's race. I mean. I'm, I'm sure in the background there's a lot happening with all of the candidates who are involved right now. But publicly and in the news, it's kind of it, that all, all it's been is Geist endorsements here at this point. And I continue to, you know, it's just it feels like just the opposite of what happened. Like, for instance, with the Nebraska governor's race, where it felt like we were talking about that thing with with things in the news ad nauseum for an entire year or the before the primary even happened this race is going to sneak up on people yeah it's with what, the uh, way that the, it's the going primary is what two and a half months away two uh, not even that much right it's, uh april first it's march, uh, uh february march it's the beginning of april yep. right yeah it uh, is, first so. first week i have to look up the exact day that is scheduled for so, yeah, this little, year but it's about nine weeks so, so. yeah so not that far away um and you've got Geist, who's been busy announcing uh, endorsements. Now, Stan Parker, um, who is the other Republican, the other major Republican that's running in the race, he's I've, I've noticed that he's got getting signage out. I saw a big truck with his with his picture on it and campaign stuff on it, driving around the other day. Um, but at, at, I wonder at what point. Because Geist has got some got some money for this thing. Absolutely, a lot of and, billboards have gone up. Too but the question Geist. is, how do you sort of how do you sort of allot that? How do you do that between the primary and the general in this case? Also, keeping in mind that there's a relatively short period because of how city elections go between the primary and between the general. You it's, got one month, a, a month, and, one month, and. Um, Geist is in the legislature. I mean, it's, it's a also bi- busy, busy time for the legislature, and of course, the mayor uh, is also busy uh, doing her job. Right. So. And and you know, not that this indicates anything wrong with the campaign or anything, but they're right. I mean, they're just the 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 mayor, Larry and Gaylor Baird's, you know, campaign is not publicly doing a whole lot other than having said, you know, she's in it, and of course, uh, of of course fundraising going on in the background as well so 
Yeah, I just I, I, I just have a feeling we're going to come up to a point here, Mark, and, and when things start to fire up a little bit on this whole thing, uh, and we're going to say, oh my goodness, this thing is... <laughs> This thing is coming right up here. What is it? April 9th, I think. I was just going to look it up the exact date of that because I don't I don't know it exactly off the top of my head. So I will Where's here we go show? 2023. Uh let's see. April April 4th. April 4th. April, so it is, yeah. Yeah, it's 9 weeks. 1 2 3 9 weeks from today. Yeah, is that right? I think so. 9 weeks today and then and then after that the <coughs> excuse me, the general is May 2nd. So that is exactly four weeks. Wow! From when the the primary is uh, is happening as well, and so. of course, the, officially the the primary is what nonpartisan as far as it's the top two people. Doesn't matter what party they're in, move, move forward to the general. Right. So. Yes. By the way, the uh, filing deadline for mayor d- it doesn't happen until March third. So maybe you'll have a more crowded field by by the time. By the time Caleb the primary rolls along, uh, okay. I mean, I could be if you, if, you, if you think I've got the uh, backing. <laughs> I will tell you one thing: uh, it would be a, a salary increase from state senator to mayor. If you uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, just, a, just about anything is a salary increase yes. from state senator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, in terms of per hour, it'd be a salary increase probably to go work at McDonald's from from being a state senator. That's true. Um, This is interesting. I just happened to pull this up because I wanted to see all the offices up for election. It's got the qualifications. I didn't know this. What's your guess on how long you have to live in the city to become the mayor, to be an official resident of the city? I'd say one year. Six months. Six months. Wow. You can be the mayor here if you've lived here for less than a year. But your primary residence has to be here. Yes. Moving on. Number four. Thayer Central Community Schools, that's in Hebron, they were closed yesterday. They received some type of a threat on Friday. It's been turned over to law enforcement, but evidently severe enough that they canceled school for yesterday and have again for today. Today again? Wow. Yeah, uh, it's posted on their website. No staff report. Closure out of an abundance of caution based on a threat received last Friday. An investigation is ongoing. I did read on one of the posts that the Nebraska State Patrol technical support team, I believe, is uh, is also assisting in this investigation, along with their sheriff's office and other State Patrol assets. Does that mean it sounds like they're looking for something in the building? Is that what that... I mean, I, I know that's speculating a bit, but I didn't... That is, when you say technical support team, I wondered what that meant. Well, exactly. that or cyber events, uh, okay. you know, All right. they're they're just not releasing any information. Man, so that was Friday was the the, the threat. The, they got the threat, and we are now to Tuesday of the following week, and they're still canceling school on yep. on this whole thing. So something obviously that's bringing about a, a definite amount of concern, uh, and hopefully everybody's okay there in in uh, Hebron and Thayer County. All right, moving on. Number three. Seven-month-old baby boy, the youngest of three children kidnapped over the weekend, spent more than two hours outside on a deck near Alden, Nebraska, early Sunday morning before he was rescued by the homeowner. Uh, Two suspects in car theft and kidnapping left the baby outside the home of Chuck and Suzanne Soren 
who lived north of Alda. Video thou showed the infant placed in the deck at 3.12 a.m. Oh, my God. Zorhan was awakened by a phone notification asking people to look for the child, and after looking around the house, he found the baby about 5.25. Fearing the worst because of the cold, said the infant's eyes were closed, hands up to his chest. He was dressed in a sleeper, Ugh. but not wearing hat or gloves. Sorens uh, took the baby inside. When the car heat, uh, seat hit the floor, the baby started crying and got him warmed up by the fireplace. That is how t- terrifying, how terrible. Yeah. Two hours, and it was below zero. It was well below zero there, um, and in a lot of places on, what'd you say, what was it, Saturday into Sunday or Sunday, Sunday into Sunday Monday? Mo- Sunday morning. Saturday into Sunday morning uh, very cold there and over much of the states we're talking about well below zero probably wind chills that made it even worse out there at that point and this baby is out there in a car seat for two hours two other children were found in another stolen vehicle i don't believe they were as cold but yeah that's uh and this uh, i believe the initial uh, card um, the kidnapping and the car theft happened what in grand island i believe that's right yeah and so they were had to be, what, two, three hours out to Alda, if I remember my yeah. geography about right. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, they apparently, ju- they told authorities, they just left it at a random farm, but they didn't know exactly, they couldn't tell them or didn't tell them where it was exactly. So um, a, a, an alert comes out, must have made some noise, like uh, like if you've ever gotten a, uh, an amber alert or an emergency weather alert, it makes a lot of noise. Well, in this case, it was a phone notification, so evidently they have a phone tra- uh, type of uh, program that, out there. When you say a phone, well, I ju- when you said phone, I just thought it meant a push notification on a cell phone. Well, that, that, could, that could be. That's what I assume, but I, I, I guess I don't, I don't know for sure, but regardless, if that, if that doesn't happen at that point, and you're probably not liable to go... You know, on a Sunday morning, go on your back deck until later in the morning or look at your back deck until later in the morning. I can't imagine that baby had a lot of time left. Couldn't I? I just can't imagine it. Um, And to, he said, put it back on the floor and it started crying very quickly, which is amazing. And uh, he doesn't have face covered, you know, all of that stuff. Ugh. I just hate, I hate thinking about it. I hate thinking about it. And, I, I read one of the stories about this, and they were uh, so these the suspects in this uh, were uh, getting their originally getting their arraignment. They're facing charges. Uh, it's in by the way, it's an 18 year old and a 17 year old. Uh, I think of Carney. They're accused of kidnapping, child abuse. Uh, the judge basically said the the or excuse me the Hall County attorney deputy attorney basically said, look, you're you're lucky at this point that. You're not looking at at some sort of a manslaughter, or excuse me, a homicide uh, type situation, given that that baby, thank you to those homeowners, was found. Otherwise, this could be yeah. even more that you're facing on that. But I read, I read something that one of the one of these suspects that they gave a, a bond of well over a million dollars, and the, the his jaw just dropped. Yeah, yeah. His jaw dropped as a judge set bond at ten percent of a million dollars at that point. So, ugh, uh, making some national news today yeah. too. We had it on our on our sound off from Fox. All right, moving on. Number two. Which two do you want? Oh, geez. Um, the second, the local one, second one. Uh, Union Omaha hopes to build a one hundred million dollar. 
soccer stadium north of downtown Omaha that would be accompanied by new housing, perhaps hotel, and other related entertainment amenities. It's Legislative Bill 621, introduced by Senator Mike McDonald, would direct up to $50 million in state funds to help bring that to fruition. Hey, they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. There, there's a lot of momentum behind that soccer club up there. Um, not playing in the in the the biggest league, but they did play multiple MLS teams uh, over this past year in the Cup, where it's open to all divisions, including they went down and played in Kansas City. Now yeah. that, that's what ended up knocking them out. But there is a lot of enthusiasm about that club, not just in Omaha, but. But in our area, because that that is the only professional team. Yeah, but a hundred million's a lot of bushels of money. <laughs> bushel baskets full <laughs> of money. Win. How many bushel Kellen baskets? Kellen said we that? got bushel baskets of money. You <laughs> said we got it. So how about a soccer stadium? A hundred million—that's a lot of money, isn't it, for a stadium? I, I, well, probably I don't not. No, I wouldn't think so. It seems like. Well, what did the arena? The the in, I mean, it's not comparable necessarily. I mean, somewhat comparable, but the arena was over three hundred million, right? Um, and so that probably stands to reason about about roughly in this whole, whole thing. But the interesting question, Caleb, that you've got is: is a stadium like that that is that extensive? Does it? If you put the what is it? What's the name of the team? The Omaha Union Union Union, Union yeah. Omaha. I'm sorry, Union Omaha. If you put them in it, is that enough to justify? Like, are you playing other stuff there? And that's not very far, of course, where they're talking about. If they're saying north of downtown, that's not far at all where Creighton Soccer Field is. Nope. Where they play, they already play state soccer there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and there's other events, other, you know, high school games and events, of course, in addition to, to Creighton playing there. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how that plays into the entire discussion. And the bottom line on any of these spending things, whether you're talking about this, whether you're talking about the convention center, goes back to what I was just discussing with Joe, is how amenable is the governor going to be to some of these spending projects with the bushel barrels full, bushel baskets full of money, if they're not something that directly goes toward tax relief? Mm -hmm. How amenable is he going to be to a soccer stadium in Omaha? How amenable is he going to be to... $50 $50 million for a convention center in Lincoln. I mean, and, and here's one of the things. You have that soccer stadium and you have them you have them playing and maybe every now and then you get a uh, um, get an MLS team that they, they go to a neutral field. Maybe you can can make a pitch that you have the pitch for, for them to come to. But also think about this. When you have the sports gambling, when that does come into play, you've got a nice new stadium there for all of it, can host multiple events. This this may be something that Omaha can really use to their advantage going forward. You just got to get it all approved. Yeah. You just got to get it all done. What, and you're right. What what is all? What are all of these projects going to look like under Pillin with the bushel baskets of uh, of money? Right now, because they've used Warner Park for soccer games, yep. which I didn't even realize. That's a weird place to use. But they talked about how the, the soccer fan base tends to be more in eastern Omaha. Yeah. And soccer fan base is, is typically a lot of younger people, a lot of people who who have got uh, descent from places in Latin America, yep. very frequently, very popular there. Um, that's generalizing, but that's part of what they're saying. And they're like, sending them down to Warner Park and Pavilion. 
it's not <laughs> that's not the best place well, for it, that. Well. The the other portion of this is the United States is going to be hosting the World Cup here in a few years. Now, no Omaha would not be in line to host one of those uh, any of those matches, but if over the course of that month that the World Cup is going on here, if you're hosting events and you've got a place that you can have that, hey, tourists are going to come in, and if you've got a, a park and you're going to put on some other matches at that yeah. time, that might be something to draw some folks in. 10,000 fans. That, that's a nice little like, soccer wonder what Hibner. wonder what Hibner does uh, in terms of capacity. That's a, a Nebraska uh, soccer's their stadium out there by, by Cornhusker. Um, I'm not totally sure. I'm, I assume it's a decent amount lower than that, but I don't totally know what Hibner's capacity is. 2,500. Yeah, okay. So four times as big a Hibner as Hibner in terms of fan capacity is what they're looking at. All right, interesting. interesting. Number one. Oh, got to get back here. America, new Gallup poll. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. I was looking up the KC Stadium. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'll pull that up for you. See what the capacity there is. But a new Gallup poll found the government has beat out inflation and illegal immigration on the list of the nation's top problems. The mentions of the economy even fell six points during the latest. Poll conducted January 2nd to the 22nd. Uh, that was during uh, Kevin McCarthy's contentious Speaker of the House election and the discovery of those classified government documents in President Biden's uh, private home and office. Uh, so uh, the government is the top. Uh, what about in your agree in your mind? Agree. Yep, <laughs> that's how I feel. I'm t- I mean, you probably you probably heard on this show. I get I'm exhausted of talking about the vast majority of this stuff. Uh, to I'll, you know, to the extent okay. I'll, I'll bring it up to. Notify people of what's going on as uh, occasionally during the show, but I have—I I mean, in all seriousness, in in last few years in my life, my interest in especially U.S. government and politics, and just following it closely and living and dying with it. Not that I was necessarily doing that before, but I'm done. I am done with that. There's just too much else in life right now, and it's so frustrating and. And annoying. So, in other words, you agree with Ronald Reagan in his inaugural speech when he said, "Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem." Yeah, he was making a bit of a political point there <laughs> yeah. in saying that, but yes, that's kind of a- to. I, I, yeah, I think I think they're becoming more and more. I think there's a silent, large, not a silent, a quiet, large portion of people whose lives do not revolve around as much around politics as our media would suggest it does. does and too many people live and die with it. want so. government to create a solution rather than doing it themselves. Yeah. So what's yeah, the size of the stadium? I guess that's sort of a Children's thing. mercy over 18,000, by the way. 18,467. Okay. So bigger. All right, 756 K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings and welcome in. Eight degrees in the capital city. Listen to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. 
Glad to have you back with us. Tuesday morning, last day of January 2023, and uh, joined today by Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Jason. How are hey, you hey, doing good today? Morning. I'm great. How are good you? Good to. Uh, we're good. Good to. Uh, good to talk to you, and uh, looking forward to delve into some of the things that are going on right now uh, with the uh, City of Lincoln and the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, let's talk about. Um, uh, about some community meetings and this uh, these this idea of some of the big picture items that are going to be a real focus of these and and kind of going forward. First of all, tell us about this uh, the consensus growth agenda. What what is that? What does it mean? Yeah, uh, Jack, I'm here to restore some of your faith in government. Uh, okay, and, and I know good. everyone's everyone's tired and and uh, everyone gets a little bit burned out by all the fighting, particularly out of Washington. Um, yes, the the ray of light I'm here to give everyone is. There is a big team uh, in Lincoln that is working with us on on some community consensus gro- growth items. So okay. this is getting back to how we can can work within government structures to help the community grow, right? Um, and so the chamber uh, began hosting these meetings uh, that included our state delegation, our uh, other local elected officials, uh, and business and community leaders. Um, you know, to talk about where are our shared interests. And we really came up with about four or five that we're focused on. It's the convention center bill that we'll talk about, uh, mega site development, water 2.0, East Beltway construction, and then housing in Lincoln. And we are now pursuing bills in the state legislature in a unique session where they've got um, a surplus of almost $2 billion in the cash reserve. Um, to uh, bushel, bushel buckets of money, according to uh, what the governor <laughs> called it. That's what he said. <laughs> I, I, he can call it what he wants. I'll call it opportunity as well. <laughs> Um, and, and we're excited to be working with so many Lincoln partners on, on helping make this happen. So th- this is really the, the shinier side of that coin and how government's supposed well, to work. I, and I will say this, and I, I do think most of my disdain and disinterest comes from what's happening nationally and less so yeah. locally. But I will say this, you know, in just terms of some of the bills that we will talk about and we have talked about on this show uh, that are related to economic development in Lincoln and things in Lincoln. It has been encouraging to see uh, when I look at the names that are introducing them and supporting them. I see people from both parties, yep. Yep. <laughs> which uh, that's oddly comforting to me uh, here in the city of Lincoln. I'm curious when you when you talk about these things with these stakeholders, with these leaders, do you feel like there is generally a, a lot of consensus, not necessarily a huge partisan divide among the um, generally among uh, these concepts and what needs to happen that's best for Lincoln. I do, uh, and, and I want to thank our state delegation. Uh, you know, when we chat, when we reach out to our representatives, uh, they're very open to to you know sitting down at the table, listening, uh, sharing ideas. Um, they're they're very collegial when they're working with us on on these types of issues, and and I do sense you know there's some general. Uh, um, consensus mostly around uh, community infrastructure. If you look at things like East Beltway and Water 2.0, community inf- infrastructure is a big, big part of of what we're trying to do. These are all people that are that are uh, fans of of Lincoln and the region around it. We want to see the the economy here grow. Um, they all universally see the value in in uh, seeking an opportunity to make these investments this session. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess typically the 
you know, the disagreement happens like, well, okay, we, we don't, we don't think these are bad projects or bad ideas. It's just how much should government be funding them? Essentially, yep. that's typically where the political divide comes in that I'm not sure if this is a situation where it's so clear that the state is going to be spending money on something, mm-hmm. some things mm-hmm. in the state that, 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 typical policy divide there may be a little less pronounced than it usually is just because you're sitting on such a surplus this time around yep. and it's going somewhere most yep. likely it, it, look there there state. are a lot of proposals out there statewide um mm-hmm. and 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 many of them are, are good proposals we think we have a good package of proposals uh for lincoln and there's there's a lot of activity uh this week in particular on, on those if you want to run through them yeah um and i've got even a cute way to remember it Yesterday was Megasite Monday. Okay. Today is Tourism Tuesday. Okay. And Thursday is Tax Cut Thursday. Okay. Right. Big week of hearings. Yeah. Yeah. Big week of hearings. Well, let's let's delve into those uh, a little bit if if you don't mind. We'll go backwards first uh, with Megasite Monday, and this might be the thing that uh, at least I and some of our listeners maybe know the least about exactly mm-hmm. what exactly this is. We've talked a lot about Convention Center. We've talked a lot about you know Water 2.0 and mm-hmm. and and East Beltway and those sorts of things. Tell us about this is LB uh, 644. Tell us a little bit about what this is. Yeah. So uh, uh, the the proposal here is really looking at how can Nebraska, and it's just not the Lincoln-Omaha area, I want to stress that, but how can Nebraska better prepare itself uh, with served sites for development? And by development, I'm talking about um, uh, major investments from primary employers that are selling products and and services outside of the state. So this is not a retail and entertainment type of center. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is really targeting primary new job creation, creating new economic activity within the state. And it's it's for the capability through the um, uh, Department of Economic Development um, to help help communities. secure sites um, and then put in the infrastructure it takes to make them a real marketable asset and we have a real exciting opportunity to to establish one of those on the corridor on i-80 in between lincoln and omaha Um, the whole reason we're wanting to do that is we know there are billions of dollars worth of projects out there um, even right now i think it was over 15 billion dollars in the past three years from ded um, that Nebraska was not able to pull together a sufficiently large site in the time frame uh, that the business would need it to be able to recruit it here, and so we're hmm. trying to we're trying to leverage all the assets of the region. Uh, there's 1.3 million people that live within a 60 minute radius of of where we're looking at on the I-80 corridor to establish a site like this. We've got world class post secondary uh, institutions. We've got leading. Uh, national leading fiber speeds that are available on that corridor and then have access to I-80, which is one of the busiest interstates in the world. And so um, we really feel like it would be a really solid marketable product. Our problem is other states have sites that would be available much more quickly and sometimes at much, much lower cost. And so those opportunities are going to. So this is mostly about having tools to be competitive with a site that you can offer up to a big and say just for just, an Amazon or a big like a big company that 
that would want to come in and look at something like that? Am I understanding that right? Yeah, I think they do tend to be larger, although yeah. size isn't really what, what we're focused on. Okay. But for a mega site need, you're, you're going to be assume. a sizable business. Yeah. And I want to clarify, um, uh, because I know a lot of people get tied up on ideas like Amazon. This can also be semiconductor manufacturing. Gotcha. Uh, there are new automobile uh, manufacturing. And here I'm talking about high-tech, high-end, high-throughput, right. super high-skilled jobs. And when, and when you bring... Uh, businesses that are involved in production systems like that, you're bringing a whole ecosystem. So there are high skill, very high wage uh, management, back office, front office uh, type of jobs. There are uh, frontline production, again, high skill, high wage with benefits type of jobs. And there are, are production directly uh, jobs that often will con- um require uh, particular types of training that we can access through partners like Southeast Community College um, to, to help specifically train those. And again, those are good, solid, well-paying jobs. They are uh, they always come with benefits is the type of businesses that we're talking to about these opportunities. There's a lot of lot of growth opportunity. It'd be a really great thing to land. So in is the this bill focused, just so I understand, is this focused on the one site or is it something that has the potential to be used beyond what you're talking about with the I-80 corridor? Yeah, thank you. So a, a portion of it, um, I believe it's $100 million within the bill, is earmarked for a site in in the what I'm calling the the I-80 corridor between Lincoln and Omaha, right? Gotcha. Um, and I think they they're calling it the multi-metro site, right? And and the whole idea is leveraging all those combined assets. There's an additional fifty million dollars that could be leveraged uh, through the site and building fund development through DED for any other areas of Nebraska. And we were we were proud to. Um, support this bill with some of our our more rural partners and communities that are growing and doing some exciting work uh, uh, for large site development out there too so essentially the site is ready to go and be able to market to a company that wants to look here yeah is that is that i mean am i oversimplifying it no that's essentially with with the help that you're getting from from the state yep when you're talking to one of these major employers and they're fishing around in in other Mm -hmm. states and other communities and looking at uh, what kind of assets are available um you know if if the story we're telling here in nebraska is well look here's a general area that's a cornfield it's got three to five different owners Mm -hmm. right now um, we don't know how we'd get the infrastructure in. We don't know how we'd, how we'd prepare that site. Mm-hmm. You know, we could probably do a deal, but it'd take you three or four years to get it done. They're out the door. Yeah. Because there's another community, uh, in a different state, uh, that can get them, uh, assured site control, assured site access within a year, get all the infrastructure in within their, uh, 18 uh, month to two year window or sometimes even less than that. And it's really a competitive issue for us. All right. Let's move on. Uh, today is the, right? The, the convention center. I forgot what you called Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tourism Tuesday. Tourism Tuesday. Yeah. But, uh, you're especially talking, uh, about, about the convention uh the convention center here right yep. uh what and, and i mean the crux of the bill we've talked a lot about this the crux of the bill would basically just make dollars available from the state right to to make this thing a reality i'm probably oversimplifying it what else is this bill about then i i, I think it's a great way to uh, tee it up though the the dollars in this bill really have the opportunity to to make it a possibility here um and can really get us off off of uh off of the starting blocks here so jeff mall 
uh, executive director for Visit Lincoln and vice president with the Chamber of Commerce, um, is going to be testifying in front of the uh, oh, Banking, Commerce, and Insurance Committee, yeah. same place we heard the megasite bill yesterday. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's been introduced by Senators Wishart, Geist, and Ballard. Again, good partnership there. Um, they're all very excited about it. We have been spending a lot of time talking with uh, other committee members about it. Uh, contains $60 million proposal for the convention center in Lincoln. Uh, I believe another six or seven million dollars uh, in support of the Lancaster Event Center, and then there's another few million dollars, I think, a, 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 a smaller chunk for uh, other site development uh, for tourism purposes out in the area. Okay, and, and we have some thoughts about where that can go as well. So it's it's a really exciting proposal. Um, uh, from the Lincoln delegation in particular that really wanted to put a flag in the ground and say what what could be some true community changing opportunities that we could we could look for in this. Mm-hmm. Do have two Lincoln people on that committee, by the way. I had to check. Uh, Senators Bostar and Dungan are both on there. So, yep. little yep. home field home field advantage there for yep. for uh, Mr. Mall there as he uh, goes in and as well. As Senator uh, Ballard is on that committee. Oh, and Senator Ballard too. Yep. Sorry, I missed Senator Ballard yep. too. Uh, I'm still learning all the new the, the new faces and names in the state legislature. Um, all right, and then a couple of a couple of other ones too. Manufacturing modernization bill. Uh, that's coming up tomorrow, right? Yep. Uh, so that's another bill that, that that we're supporting as as well as uh, one of the governor's tax cuts bill uh, bills here coming coming Thursday. So okay. it's 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 a busy week. Uh, you know, Bruce will be talking about um, you know how it's a state competitiveness issue when it comes to tax cuts, just like we want to be competitive when it comes mm-hmm. to site preparation. Um, and so Bruce Boyer, our executive vice president with the chamber, will be testifying in support of that, as as a lot of other folks will. And it's just a it's a fun time. This is a really fun session, Jack, because um, often in in policy development, it's a it's a defensive game, right? Someone someone else is out there with a bill proposal. Um, we often get concerned about what you know. What would that mean for the business community? Would that harm our community's ability to grow our economy? Mm-hmm. Um, this session just has a really, really different tone because it's because of this money that is available. I think everybody's been um, pretty excited about thinking in an affirmative way. What what can we accomplish uh, for Lincoln in this session? And and so. Again, I'm full of full of starry-eyed hope uh, for government yeah, working. Yeah, turns out money in bushel baskets is more fun than uh, not money in bushel baskets. That's, that's right. Who knew? That's right. Who would have ever thought that? <laughs> uh, before we wrap up here, just a little bit. I know, I know the uh, the 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 state chamber too is uh, going to be giving away some awards today, and and uh, happening in in, in uh, Lincoln. We got some uh, Lincoln folks too who are are going to be a part of that potentially too. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, the state chamber each time around this year um, has their Nebraska Business Hall of Fame banquet that's coming up on Thursday here uh, Thursday evening this week um, and honorees this year are going to include some names that people know from from our area uh, notably Tony Messinio uh, from Valentino's yes. so we're, we're real excited to see uh, to see him receive that recognition. Yep. I've been a fan of his product for a long, long time. Me too. Great guy, so, listener to the show, by yep, the way. So yep. hello, Tony, if you're yeah. listening. Congrats. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, and then uh, two folks from, from Gallup, so just down the road in, in, in Omaha, but uh, Jim Clifton, who has done a lot in um, entrepreneurship and the startup community throughout Absolutely. the state. Um, thrilled to see him get recognition. And then Jane Miller, who was a COO yep. for, for Gallup uh, as well. 
Yeah, my parents both worked for Gallup, so they both worked closely with uh, both of them way back in the days when it was uh, started here in Lincoln over here on, on uh, what, 68th and, and O, roughly, yeah. uh, now the Nebraska Wesleyan building when it was called SRI, so way back in the day. So I'm, I know a lot of those people, and they've been huge in, in the community here for the state as well, so I'm glad glad to see them getting honored as well all right well sounds like we've got a uh, got a big week here for you between yes, the legislature do. and the other things going on so we'll look forward to catching up with you here in a couple weeks see where we are especially on some of these bills may you know we'll see when they get to the floor kind of discuss those more and uh get into the other things happening from a now, perspective jack i think the next time i'm in here may be valentine's day which lands on oh my Tuesday. goodness i didn't even notice so that. i didn't know if what I could, are you suggesting if i could if i could request the uh, Mariah Carey just to celebrate Valentine's Day with my favorite friends in radio. Okay. That would be great. We might be able, we, we might be able to uh, to accommodate you on that one there. Get Mariah back on the air. All right, good. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks. Talk to you in a couple weeks on Valentine's Day. Apparently, eight twenty five. It's LNK today with Jack and friends. KLIN. Why do you listen to KLIN? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN app. Waking babies in the North Bottoms. And then, helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. Yes, it is. And he uh, joins us on Tuesday mornings. Talk volleyball when uh, when there's volleyball news. Well, that might be a little slow on the volleyball news right now. I mean, we hit, hit kind of the big thing. So we may uh, go Ottoman Empire a little bit today. I don't know, JB. Oh, I, I guess there is some volleyball news. Uh, I saw yeah. Kennedy Orr is not playing beach volleyball. Uh, yeah. Break it down. <laughs> well, last year she got injured. And so they said, hey, let's take her easy this year. So she's all ready to go to lace them up for the indoor season this spring and then take over perhaps or at least give Berg and Riley a little competition for that one-setter starting spot in the fall. But, hey, the number one recruiting class, all five of them on campus. They're ready to play beach. They're all fired up. That's good. All right. So we got we got the we got the players there. We got the beach volleyball yeah. season ready to go. I have not looked at the uh the beach volleyball schedule. We don't we still got we got a ways to go. We got February twenty four until Wayne oh, yeah. until wait till the eight AM match against Wayne State. Uh I'm, I'm fired up. I've already got the alarm all set. Yeah, I'm going to throw on some eye black that morning. I mean, that's a border war. I mean, you throw out all the records. I mean, that's an interstate rivalry. It goes way back on the sand. I mean, it all started on the beaches of uh, McConaughey. <laughs> you go back years. The, the, yep. Yes, our grandparents from Wayne and, and UNL yep. just got, it got ugly oh, lots of times. The, the sand pits off the plat is where a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, and now we'll see it all refined, and uh, it should be good, though. The spring, the spring, we're one of the rare programs with uh, the same players playing on the beach team that play in the indoor team. So every other program we face, they've got specialists. They just they only play. Seriously, on like like nobody does that. Why why are we doing that then? What's the deal? Well, we see the sand season as player development season. So okay. it gives us an extra four or five weeks to develop new skills, new muscles, and also it gives us a mental break. I mean, rather than just hang out in the library and just lift weights, we actually get to keep playing volleyball, but a different kind of volleyball. One reason 
so many of our players are so good at a huge spectrum of skills as they play on the beach. That's why our middles can set, for example. And other middles uh, in the middle of a long rally, they struggle getting the ball where they want. Where You'll see assists from Becca Alec on the score sheet at the end of every match because she's played beach. Oh, I'm just surprised if it works that nobody else is doing it. Weird. Uh, Well, and it changes expectations. So Husker fans have to remain calm and realize it's unlikely we're going to be in Mobile, Alabama this spring for the national championship in beach because we've got indoor players playing a little bit of a different game so that they're improved and better indoor players when it really counts in the fall, whereas everyone else is playing with their own players, and their only goal is win the beach title. And, you know. Look at you you lowering expectations already. Look at that. I'm I'm not ruling anything out. I'm not ruling a natty out this year. Excellent point. You never know. (laughs) Actually, do you know the USC players have been training out there in Manhattan Beach all year? Suddenly run into you know the big red bullies uh, on the sand. <laughs> you, you never know. It's all about a mentality, uh, and it's all about looking at their schedule and being jealous about the places that they get to go. Uh, after after the opening uh, after the opening week in Lincoln at the uh, Hawks Championship Center with the beautiful beach uh, landscape painted on the yeah. wall uh, or wallpapered on the wall, uh, yep. we we got uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, on the West yeah. Public Beach. We got Honolulu at Queens Beach. Okay, we got that is not bus trip. No, uh, we got uh, El Cajon, California, where we'll uh, where we'll play teams like uh, Grossmont in San Diego Mesa, uh, and then we got uh, Irvine, California, as well. So I think the players should just throw all their possessions in storage and save on rent. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, so there you go. All right. Well, beach season coming up. We got it. We got a month until that. Uh, I think beach volleyball is the is it was the whole catalyst for online education. <laughs> How's that? Because these players are never going to be in class. That's be true. There, hammering, true. bumping, setting, hammering. You know, so uh, it, it doesn't. It's not real reminiscent of my college education. But you know, things change. Hey, you know what though? They were, you know, these sports were going on and they were doing these trips well before we got used to online uh online classes. I wonder in all seriousness, like for instance the the men's basketball team, they went uh, and had their game at Maryland. They didn't come home before their game tonight in Illinois. They just went straight out there. So they do online classes on Monday and sure. and today as well. Uh at some point in not too long ago history, they weren't able to do that. I wonder if that makes it a little easier to be a student athlete than it used to be. Because uh, they have online education, yeah. absolutely. Because there's I'm, real options for like it's a yeah there there are real like tried and true options to do that now. I, I always wondered in my long ago days on the Stanford University campus if the men's golf team could even find the library. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they could have found uh, the finest golf courses in Oahu, but I'm not sure about <laughs> they could. You know, put their finger on a map of where the heck the undergraduate library was on their alleged home campus. But otherwise, I'm sure it was a struggle for them during those difficult four years. Probably one reason Tiger said, ah, what the heck, I'm not going to finish no up. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Back and row, it was just too much. I mean, not ever. And then Elizabeth Holmes, I mean, there are a lot of. Stanford folks just can't finish the job and get the piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> and then the grueling, of course, the grueling Stanford golf schedule that goes along yeah. with that is too, and the the workouts and all those sorts of things as well. So And the massage rub downs after a round. Yeah. 
By the way, you talk. You you, you uh. I I I'm um, uh, I'm going through with my son. He's he's uh right right in your world right now. He's 18, getting ready for freshman year of college next year. We're doing all the fun uh, stuff uh, with uh, with. Where, fin- where's he going? He's, he, he's, uh, he's going to be going to, uh, UNL. So, uh, so that's good. So we're, but we're doing all the, the fun stuff with, uh, uh, with the fast, uh, FAFSA and, uh, you know, seeing if there's any loans coming in and, and realizing, realizing we gotta, we gotta figure out some things financially here, which a lot of parents go through, uh, yep. with this whole thing. Uh, but I forgot where I was going with that, but, but, but nonetheless, <laughs> I think I just wanted to tell everybody what my trials and travails are right now. And then you've got to stop at the grocery store later today. And then you got laundry today. There's a lot of, sort of yes. family stuff just sort of coming up right now. But your son is a very impressive young man with a great ACT score. And my guess is he's going to get some nice scholarships. And UNL is very fortunate to have him. Thank you. I appreciate that. Not as nice as I, I had hoped uh, in terms of that, but that's another story. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, college is, uh, man, JB, college is ex- I, I college yeah. is more expensive than I, I I I had this perception that that in state stuff you know whether here or or other places that you're gonna you know I had 1996 tuition numbers in my head still yeah JB it's that old, things have changed this whole pesky thing called inflation is yeah. just uh, a bit annoying but basically UNL everything in is uh, everything included if you live on campus it can be around 22 23,000 dollars a year Wayne Peru and Shadron is going to be about $18,000 a year uh, Wesleyan uh, you know it's a nice score on the ACT is probably going to be around 30 grand a year so don't about the same maybe a slightly cheaper so the game has changed and yeah. that's why the stakes are higher and um, those are basically other than Wesleyan you know full price retail sticker prices but if students apply themselves and take care of two things just two doggone things primarily grades and scores grades and their act score mm-hmm. uh, or sat you're going to see a big discount for example at a 25 should on the act get them free tuition at wayne peru and shadron it's a fabulous deal and a terrific education here's the other thing too it's not so much where you go to school it's how you go to school so you yeah. apply yourself, you're engaged, you've got a passion. You're not just going to turn it into a big old four, maybe five-year beverage fest. You can get a <laughs> fabulous education. And, uh, you know, and that's too rare. So uh, we get hung up on where we're going to go to school, and we pay a huge premium sometimes when it's how you go to school. And uh, you can get the best of it all if you just apply yourself starting in ninth grade, take care of grades and scores, do the best you can, no pressure, just do the best you doggone can, and then be a smart college shopper. So you've got some budget schools uh, on your list, so the family doesn't have to go into crazy debt to make sure you get that degree. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you say it over and over again about being the you know the best job that you can get is is yeah. improving those things. It is it is really hit home now. <laughs> it is it is really hit home because that's legitimate. Like that is it can be thousands of dollars, right? That that you're, you're going to make make a huge difference in in what you can uh do there. By the way, speaking of education, how about this? Yeah. How about uh how about uh the uh the governor increasing education funding by 2.5 billion dollars through 2030? How about that? And we I got and we even got people on both sides of the aisle kind of giving some at least tentative thumbs up to yeah. to parts of this thing. I need to read over the whole plan, but you know, it's encouraging in my opinion because uh, this is the bedrock of a 
democratic society. And there are a lot of states, I'd say there are probably 45 states in the country who would trade their education systems for ours. We just are in a really nice block. I mean, I, I don't think Massachusetts would, Connecticut, Maryland, New Jersey. I mean, these are really wealthy states with a lot of college-educated adults, so they probably wouldn't. But man, I mean, state after state I go to, and we work with a lot of high schools across the country, I'm just thinking Nebraska's in a really good spot. And, uh, you know, we got some imperfections. Every, every you know, school system, public and private, does. But, boy, uh, I, I, I'd love to see us lean into our strengths. When I see what Iowa's doing, I mean, what Kansas did, I mean, r- pretty dramatic changes in policy. Um, I'm just thinking, Nebraska, you know, don't be insecure. Uh, don't be intimidated recognize your strengths, lean into them, accentuate them. And I think in the, the, the winds of change are blowing in our direction. And in five, 10 years, new businesses, young people, when they're looking for their future destinations, I think Nebraska is going to compare even more favorably than we do currently. So lean into what we're doing, like, you know, invest in our, not just our K-12, but our post-secondary. We cannot afford another Dana. And let's just make sure that Hastings stays strong and Doan stays strong, not just for education and the future of our kids, but the future of those communities. And let's just take what we have now, celebrate it, and make it stronger. So I, I hope that's the essence of this uh, Governor Pillen yeah. proposal. It sounds like it might be. Yeah, it's just, it, it's just interesting. Whenever anything about education comes up these days, it's usually a pretty uh, a pretty partisan issue. And I and I don't mean to indicate that everybody's singing kumbaya on everything. I'm sure some of the uh, the, the the funding private schools things is going to bring up some disagreement, and there are other parts of it. And and then what they actually teach in the classes is going to be uh, dividing people. But but I will say like. Um, like even the AP story said, the plan announced uh, by Pillen was received with cautious optimism by those who usually find themselves squaring off against Republican-led <laughs> education funding proposals. That feels like, I mean, that's exciting to me. That seems like a good thing. We, re- we hear that re- more and more rarely in this, in this country yep. and in the state. There's a lot more that unites us than divides us. There you go. And the uh, profiteers of... Uh, partisan polarization uh well they're smiling a lot when it's payday yeah yeah but, uh the country's a lot weaker hey where are you uh where are you uh if if uh lincoln gets uh 60 million dollars uh and then comes up with another 60 million dollars to do a convention center where are we putting that thing where are we putting it? are you going to the post office in the Haymarket? are you going to the old uh journal star building going over to like the midwest steel in the south downtown or going telegraph district uh, where where are you putting the new convention center if one comes here? Well, I'm glad you didn't say south of Hickman. South of um, Hickman, no, no. I, no. I mean, they got they got enough growth out there. They can't. They're jeez. trying to figure out how to handle what they got right now. I mean, geez, you can't take a half swing sandwich without hitting another house getting put up. Anyway, my point is that uh, I don't think the Journal Star building is a good spot because they're already building a big old you know condo. Yeah, I know. Apartment complex. I thought so that I too. I thought that too, but it's on their list. Uh, everyone tries to come up with top six lists. That's what gets the old click. You know, hey, <laughs> top six places, yeah, six worst things, you can, seven things that most, you know, anyway, um, uh, we got to keep looking. But uh, where is their opportunity? I mean, the old post office, I mean, come on. It's got to be there, right? If, I mean, I, that's probably more difficult than any of them because you got the federal government involved. But you got to do that, right? 
I think what they did on the cheap when they uh, signed for an architect on that building is they found someone from Karl Markstadt. And they were looking for some old Soviet designs. And they said, you know what? This could be a gorgeous new addition to this old dilapidated haymarket. Well, now that the haymarket's all sprung up and gorgeous, and you're still stuck with this, you know, East Berlin nightmare, it's time for that to go. I've uh, never thought of that that way. I thought, oh, that could, it's not it's bad, bad, is it? No. In Leningrad. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> I mean, and there, it was a bad time period. I mean, architects went through a tough time. I mean, not every decade's been good for that profession, which is very curious because, I mean, what a fun profession, creative. There was, you know, every actor, every, every nice guy in sort of rom-coms is like an architect. Remember Tom Hanks in Sleepless in Seattle? I mean, <laughs> my point is, like, it attracts really creative people, and then the, they have the 60s and the 70s and, you know, the Bennett Martin Library. Oh, boy. I mean, what happened? There must have been a lot of keggers. The night before, a lot of plans were put together back in those decades. My favorite is the old, uh, speaking of architecture, the police station. I don't know my streets very good downtown, which is sad because I've lived here for so long. That old police station, it looks like, I mean, it looks straight out of Starsky and Hutch. It's amazing. Well, Uh, I think they were trying to do a bomb shelter police station combo. I like, uh, make sure we go windowless. I mean, some guy in the meeting that designed that old police station is like, hey, how about a window? And it was like, uh, you're out. Forget I, it. I'm telling you Absolutely. what, if they're not going to take that thing down, I would call Netflix and see if they have like a early 70s oh. cop series that they would yes. film there because it looks like a relic in time and would be perfect for that. Well, we're missing backboards for tennis players. I mean, just go up and just hit against those walls. The side <laughs> of that big old deal that... How long is that going to be around? I mean, that thing's a survivor. I mean, the city's been talking about knocking that down for 25 years. It's funny. It's like you're just driving through downtown. You're like, hey, there's Green Gateau, right? There's an, there's a new student housing building. Oh, hey, I'm in 1971. All of a sudden, right when you drive by that. I think you guys start a contest. What will go first, Pershing or the old police station? <laughs> Jeez. That is, uh, yeah. What do you guys, what do you do, is munch madness? Forget that. It's like, which buildings deserve to go first? <laughs> We're going to tear down, pick, pick, the, pick the building Lincoln raises first, and we'll guarantee we'll get the wrecking ball out for whatever wins. One versus 16, two versus, we got a big upset. <laughs> I'm fired up. Oh, crap. All right. Uh, all right, very good. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Chiefs, Eagles, who you got? Well, hopefully the officials can kind of lay low. Yikes. For this one. Yikes. Hey, have you heard the big controversy? The um, officials back in their uh, most recent bargaining agreement demanded that in playoff games they have all-star crews. Mm-hmm. So these are all the best line judges, referees, side judges, but they've never worked together. And so there's a lot of communication challenges. And then they're interviewing former officials who are now out of it who said to me, these all-star crews are worse than like the worst regular crews because communication is so key. You got to be a bit comfortable with your guys. And so big story in the Boston Globe about how that was behind a lot of the challenges. I mean, not just the Bengals, but how about the Niners? Those calls, it just felt like the, the officials were, were fairly one-sided. So I, uh, you, you rarely want to think that when you've got an event of that magnitude. So I think everyone's rooting for the officials to kind of lay low, but, um, I like the Eagles. Yeah. I think the Eagles are the better team, but, um, given where I live, I'm joining yeah, the big old 
out of Chiefs fans, but I, 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 I love watching the Chiefs. They're a lot of fun. All right. Better be, better be careful. That Travis Kelsey post game comment, <laughs> but Cincinnati mayor, I'm like, I mean, it, it, we don't need any more Neanderthal behavior than we already have. I mean, you know, go take that, you know, to Vince McMahon. And uh, I know it seems innocent, but uh, that that was really uh, unexpected. I mean, that that was like Neanderthal. You know, you know, this this guy had a platform, and that's what he does with it. Is to sort of, you know use WWE language to take down a public official who did something kind of silly, but yeah. Hey, I, listen, I, you, th- he fired the first shot. Now it's on. Now it's stay on. They out of the gutter. I mean, whatever, yeah. I mean, he had a platform, Travis Kelsey, maybe still has a platform, but I don't think he's uh, quite as respected. We, well, we just have so much anger out there, so much rage. And, and, uh, you know, to, to say something like that at a time when it should be joyful, I just, I thought it was pretty, uh, uh, pretty surprising. And uh, anyway, hopefully you will not judge solely by that moment. Next week he'll turn it on his own brother, though, so that actually could be entertaining. But we'll see. We will. Uh, we'll see. Brother is really cool. I, yeah. I think. I mean, and both of them are really, I think, pretty intelligent guys, particularly guys. But that was uh, out of character. I thought. Fourteen days till pitchers and catchers report. Seventeen days till the first pitch in Nebraska baseball. Just a final update to wrap this thing up, JB. And the recruiting for the Huskers. Yep. A lot of hope, but you know, a lot, of, college, lot of Nebraska kids. Yep. Every college baseball team, it comes down to pitching, and when the season starts, you might be familiar with three names. Yep. So you got like twelve guys whose you know parents know who they are, but that's about it. Yep. And uh, let's hope they come through this year. All right, JB, good to talk to you. We'll do it again next week. Have a great rest of your week, all right? Jack Attack, appreciate the wishes. Thank you. John Baylor, voice of Nebraska Volleyball. I think for the six, we'll wrap up the show right after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for the show today. Thank you to our guest today, John Baylor, Jason Ball, Joe Jordan. Back tomorrow with a What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. Also have John Bishop joining us tomorrow. And a little bit of a look ahead to uh, Thursday, uh, Generation Collaboration Contest at 710. On the line, uh, takes to A, Nebraska Basketball, or B, uh, Journey and Toto. Concert yes. at PBA. So, uh, giving away both basketball and concert tickets on Ticket Thursday at 710 and Generation X in the lead right now. Very exciting for Generation Collaboration. And then uh, Friday is going to be another general, general request line Friday. So, uh, if you haven't already, you can put your request into the Rick Stein Recognition text line. Anything that you want to hear, you are not bound by any rules or genre. Brad Keep, Fox Solo already has one in. Good. He's usually money on those, too. Uh, keep in mind, a week from this Friday will be the Friday before Valentine's Day, and then we're going to go into uh, a little bit of a romantic theme there. So get out all your like non-romantic songs out of your system <laughs> right now if you if you need to, to do that. We've got Husker basketball on the air tonight. Nebraska ball goes to Champaign, Illinois, to take on... 
Illinois Fighting Illini. Tip-off is 6. That means pregame is 5. So no drive time Lincoln tonight. So don't forget that little bit of a a little bit of a programming change for this evening for Husker basketball. All right, that's it. See you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.